Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society. Okay, this is the after show for Next Door, uh, which hopefully you listened to uh, we posted last week. Uh, this is my conversation with the writers of Next Door, Stephen Craig and Brian Bradley. And this is a good one. Uh, these guys are they're veteran sketch comedy writers who were on staff at Saturday, Saturday Night Live and Mad TV and who have written and sold and shot multiple pilots. They have so much to say about inspiration and the creative process in this interview, uh, about their belief that everything is funny and the foolishness of thinking that you're ever out of ideas. Uh, And Stephen gives one of the most refreshingly optimistic and positive takes on Hollywood that you'll ever hear, uh, certainly on this show. Um, And they'd really thought through where Next Door was going to go in series. So if you enjoyed the pilot read, I think you'll find that really interesting. This is a good one. Um, I should also say that Max Fun Drive is coming up soon. We're going to have a bunch of bonus content around that once a year uh, fun drive. Ben and I had a great conversation with Julia and Allie from Round Springfield, the Simpsons podcast. I was a guest on Go Fact Yourself. Uh, and there's more all coming up in May. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Stephen Craig and Brian Bradley. Max Fun Drive 2021 is coming. It'll be May 3rd to May 14th. To get in the spirit, we ask folks like you to let us know what Maximum Fun and our shows mean to them. You know, the the Maximum Fun Network is really important to me because it is not just a collection of podcasts, but it is a lifestyle and a value system. The podcasts frequently and deftly float between meaningful and irreverent, in one moment drawing attention to social issues, and in another making dick jokes about Klingons. It shouldn't work, but it does. And I have to believe it's because Max Fun's podcasts are, at their core, thoughtful and kind and human, during a time that has often felt cold and isolated. So keep being great and doing what you do. Max Fun Drive will be May 3rd to May 14th, 2021, and you won't want to miss it. Brilliant apps, drive exclusive gifts, and maybe some surprises. Want to directly support the hosts of the show we just jumped into? Come back May 3rd for Max Fun Drive. Before we get into next door, let's let's go back. Let's take a little trip back in time. Let's go back to how you guys started writing together let's talk about snl and mad tv and um i'm sure you've never had to do this spiel ever before uh in a in a, in a meeting we have it on cue cards we're all <laughs> yeah. set we're um, all ready yeah. to go on the inside of my eyelid give us uh i want to know your story i want to know how you you got here well uh, uh i met steven at mad tv um back in the two early 2000s so i yeah, 2006, seven, something like that. Maybe 2006. So Brian and, had uh, another writing partner then. I had another writing partner at that time. Um, we're still friends. No. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> His first marriage. My first marriage. <laughs> um, no, I did. I, I, I went out with my writing partner on Mad TV, and Stephen was already on that show, had been on that show for a while, and was uh, one of the. Uh, 
the, the funniest dudes on that on that show as a, as a writer on that show and it's also doing- a performer on that show as well. He had some did some had some sketches as well. OK. And, and Stephen, you had been on SNL before Mad TV. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I was on there for a couple of years and uh, I got on there through the groundlings really was well, I, a lot of the groundlings at the time I was in there were on SNL, like Will and uh, Chris Kattan and Anna and Sherry Oteri. And uh, Anna Gostar is, was uh, one of my close friends. So um, she was really helped me get on that show. And I was on there for two years, but then I had a baby and I was going back and forth between coasts. And I, I saw what my future was there. I, I saw my ceiling. And uh, I decided uh, it was time to come back and be with my family. I, t- I chose my family over SNL. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but, uh, um, you know, then I came back and I got a job on Mad TV, which was very fortunate. And uh, that was really I, I'd say that's always where I learned how to write because it was so it was such a wonderful environment. All of us writers, it was a real community of people. We all really liked each other a lot. And it was just fun coming up with, you know, sketch ideas and stuff with all those people. They were so fantastic. And Brian being one of the uh, I'm going to pay him the compliment back. One of the most brilliant of sort of the younger, newer people that were coming in. And it, what was funny at the time was like no one wanted to write with them. Like, like these new people yeah, came well, in. Well, it's so funny. Let me tell you who those people were. Okay. <laughs> so you have, um, when I, we came in, it was my, my, uh, me and my uh, performing and writing partner, improv partner, Ryan Smith. Um, there was Colton Dunn, uh, who from Superstore now. Um, there was Katie Dippold, who is a hilarious writer and UTV performer and wrote a bunch of funny movies. Um, there was Chris Kula. Um, there we had a whole, there was Mike Hitchcock. Mike, Mike well, yeah, I'm talking about the young ones. Oh, and these are the oh right. We don't want to write with those people. But um, <laughs> because the older group was like amazing too. It was like Stephen Craig, Mike Hitchcock, um, Jennifer Joyce. Um, um, uh, well, Mike McDonald, if you want to put him in there, even though Mike, he's a performer yeah. on the, the show, staff was like Key and Peel, Key and Peel, yeah, the cast rather, and uh, Mike McDonald, and a whole bunch of really funny, funny people. But Stephen would all was like, <laughs> they were all been writing together for a long time, they'd known each other a long time. It wasn't personal, it was just like, it was just you know, they had a comfort level with each other. And Mad TV was a place where you went around and you just sort of um, wrote things with whoever could, you know, you walked into an office and an idea came up and you sat there for the rest of the day and you wrote it. We didn't have big writer's room thing or anything like right. that. And, um, but Stephen was like <laughs> sort of always a, a little stood out on the out a little bit where he'd be like, yeah, I'll write with literally anybody <laughs> as long as the, the funny thing is it was funny. Yeah. And I wrote with Colton. I wrote with Katie. I wrote with Brian. I, I, I wrote Stevenson. with all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed them all. And it was, it was super fun. And I didn't understand that. And I remember it being like a thing, like what, what is, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Like, these are, these are perfectly nice people. They eat lunch. <laughs> they go to lunch and they they have it's lovers. Funny. I you know? never. <laughs> we did a mini. Yeah. Um, but we we I, I don't know. Anyway, so Craig, uh, the way it all started was that Craig um, went to. It actually started with Craig going to Las Vegas and um, with some friends. And while he was away, I don't know how this happened. It was a little bit of a funny moment because I think the head writer at the time was like, 
Steven's in Vegas. Well, we need him <laughs> to write this thing. So he basically, which is a very low key show. You have to understand this wasn't something that normally happened, but this person called Steven and was like, you need to write this opening for this holiday opening. And, and Steven was in Vegas. Like, well, I guess I'll just write it from here over the phone. So just get me another writer. So um, I, 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 I was requested and I went in there and um, we wrote this. That was the first thing we wrote together. I think yeah, um, it was a secret Santa thing. I think secret it was. Santa opening. It was really, really funny. And um, from there we wrote a, a many, many things, but it was, we wrote it over, over the phone basically because Steven needed someone to be on a computer and type it, but uh, <laughs> a, a typist, I needed a typist, <laughs> but, but the, the thing was then when we went on strike, um, and then that yeah, was when, then when Brian and I, yeah, Brian and I were just, you know, thinking like, what are we doing on this strike? And I said, let's just, you know, let's get together. Let's write something. And that's what we did. And that were you walking, first, were you walking oh, yeah. the picket line together every, and just talking day. about yeah, ideas? I think we might've walked. No, we weren't. It's here's what's funny. We didn't, Steven was always over at like Sony on the West side, on the yeah. West side of Fox. And I was going over. And with a bunch of other, I don't know why, but I was going to like Warner. We weren't walking at the same places, but we did live in the same neighborhood. And so I, I, my wife and I would walk in the neighborhood, Stephen and his, his wife, Kim and their dogs would walk in the neighborhood and we would see each other. And so I think what we got to just chatting because we were in the same zip code. And then from there, we were like, oh, well, there's nothing going on. Um, do you want to just try and write something together? And Stephen had the keys to the, <laughs> to the, neither of us really would write at each other's houses, but Stephen had the keys to the groundlings second stage rehearsal space. <laughs> we would go in there. There was no, I remember it was cold. We were for California. It was very cold. cold. Yeah. We couldn't figure out how to turn the heat on. So we're just weirdly sitting in our jackets and going, well, what should we write? And we wrote this thing called this little piggy, which was about our families. And neither of us had ever written a half hour sitcom thing but we both came out of sketch in late night so and that and that was an incredible journey because that got bought um yes. by abc and yeah. then um we were brought over to abc and we did that pilot twice yep. we, yeah we filmed it twice i'm remembering this so, so that was you know i remember reading that i remember you know whatever season that was getting sent all the pilots i don't know if my old partner and i were you know, at a point looking to staff on something. So you get sent all the pilots. Are you interested in any of these things? And I remember it was just like, well, the, the, the one script we like is this little piggy. And, uh -huh. uh, and, um, and then, yeah. So tell me what happened. So why was well, here's it? The funniest twice? Thing, here's the funniest thing about that. Just before we even, we shoot it twice is Steven. We wrote that during that, that strike. And then it just sat around. There was nothing to be done with it. We, you know, Steven left mad TV. I was still on mad and it just sat around. We weren't writing partners. We didn't have the same agent. It wasn't like that. Um, and then out of, and we, I think we had one um, friendly salad, <laughs> you know, in the, in the intervening year or and a half or something like that. We just had lunch and talked about it, but nothing happened. And then Stephen called me one day and he said, Hey, my agent had sent this over to ABC to Kevin Plunkett, who was in charge at the time over there right. at uh, comedy or one of the VPs of comedy. Who is a fantastic guy. Fantastic yeah. guy. Gave us our okay. start. And Kevin's like, I want to, I would like to meet these guys. And so Steven's like, do you want to go, go meet? So I hadn't seen Steven in a long time. We met up in the parking lot at ABC studios and we're like, well, we, we'll walk up there together. We weren't really totally officially writing partners or anything. It went up and, and, you know, this is one of those amazing stories. They bought it. 
in the room and they're like, we want to make, it was late in the season. We want to make a kind of, um, at first they kind of pitched a presentation, a pilot presentation, but really it ended up being just a full pilot, but it was very late that they bought it. They, they paired us with, I think Marco Panat. Is that right, Stephen? Uh, maybe it could be. I don't remember exactly. I think it was Marco Panette was like our EP because we neither of us had ever done this before, and um, and we cast and shot it. The really really funny pilot. That- and, and and at that moment when they bought it in the room, we didn't understand anything about buying in the room or anything. But no. we we didn't even understand when they did it. They said we'd like to do it, and we're like, oh, we're confused, you know. And they're and they're like, no, no, no. We mean we want to buy. It. We will buy this from you. I mean, they had to really say it clearly to us. <laughs> and then we walked out kind of stunned, and we got in a weird elevator. It was like a freight elevator of some kind. We like we had like shallow breathing, and we're like, is it down here? And that shakiness, and we walked into a freight elevator and went down into the bowels of. <laughs> of ABC. Really? Yeah, like, I mean, we didn't know what we did. And we were so scared. We we're like, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's happening, you know, and stuff did like you that. you have so. someone with you? Did you have an agent or anyone who, there was no oh, one no. just to, to nudge you and say, they just bought it. Get out no. of the room quickly. No, they nudged us. They did it. They, they had to say, we're buying this. Do you understand? Very Look funny. at us. Do you understand what we're saying to you? But we we I loved that first version of that of that pilot. Who was in that first version? Oh my God! It was Kevin Rom, who was Kevin so Rom. great. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea Parker, um, who is also very good. So good. The amazing Jeff Davis, um, who you know from I don't know from Dan Harmon's world. And the sister was also amazing. What Brooke was her Bloom? Name? Oh no, no, no. Rebecca Kreskoff. Rebecca Kreskoff. Rebecca Kreskoff, and then Brandy was uh jeff's wife okay and um and it really turned out great i mean it it really really did it just didn't go but and um, then the second version i would say is even was even better i mean no we had to me uh our our shared cast member um ben um coldick oh ben coldick okay Ben was took over the role that that kevin had played then we had aaron hayes took over for andrea parker and um, we had Nick D'Agosto in Jeff's role, Brooke Bloom in, in Rebecca's role. And, and they were all, they were all great. Vanessa Lachey in Brandy's role. She was oh, who smelled so good. And look, I don't care about <laughs> it me too. It gets creepier over the years. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the me too of it. I don't care about any of it. I'm willing to put this on <laughs> the line. This woman smelled like anything a man wanted to smell when she passed you. So if you love gingerbread, and she passed you. It was gingerbread you smelled. I mean, it was sort of magic. It was like Black Mirror. It was a Black she Mirror. Was absolutely a joy. The whole that whole cast. But I like both those casts. But the way that happened was that you know it didn't go the first year. Then our next little path was they were like, well, let's do. Um, they wanted to make a sort of sort of blind script with us, and um, that got we were there was a little negotiation around that, and finally, ultimately, we did take that with them and, the, and to sweeten it, they said, how about you go on uh, the ninth season of Scrubs as well? So um, we, we, we did go on that with, with a bunch of other great, very funny people that season too, Jonathan Groff and Josh Bicell and God, it was an amazing group of people. Um, and then the yeah. pilot we did, which was the Kings of Van Nuys. I'm only bringing that up because we did that twice. 
Yeah, that one. Two, two with the same cast, but we did that twice. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, well, yeah. You know. I was just going to say that then, for whatever reason, that uh, we were on Scrubs just to, to answer your first question, which is like, how did you do it twice? That they, that blind script was that we did was something that we did got we sold to them that they decided to do. Um, it was called How to Be a Better American with Jason Jones and Missy Pyle and. And um, then they were like, oh, we're also taking, we've been shopping around, or NBC has asked about this little piggy. NBC has asked the studio about it. And, and anyway, we went over and pitched it to Jeff Ingold over there. And um, they're like, they said, well, we'd like to do that too. So, so, okay, so you they, made it for NBC the second time. The second right. time. So okay. that was two pilots that next, um, that next season. And, and by the way, we got an overall deal in there and we didn't know what that was either. They had to tell us you what that was. You through all of this. Yeah. We were, we didn't know what any of it was, you know, because we just were so green, you know, and they were, you had to keep telling us, no, you get a Disney pass into Disneyland with it. You know, it's that called a silver pass. Term was like, it's, yeah, it's my main thing. I didn't care whether they paid us. But did you really? I was in a Disney deal and I didn't get any silver pass. To you didn't Disneyland. get a silver pass? Oh, no, so, I even what I had a to weird fight, moment to this fight is. to get like a 10% discount or something. Oh, um, and I'm so sorry. It's not, it's not important. Yes, it is. So, There's a lot of things that are important to you. So how did you, so, so you guys, before this little piggy, uh -huh. You guys were coming. You were both in, you're, you're improv performers turned mm -hmm. sketch writers, um, but you had never written a complete script. So when you were writing that, was it just instinctual? Were you were you oh, reading? No. Um, no, were no, no, you no, studying no. pilot scripts? Were <laughs> thank you, you for saying books? that. Thank studiers. you for saying it. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying it. No, we're not studiers. Um, and uh, again, the heat was not on in that room, so there was an urgency. <laughs> Lead it. Um, no, we didn't know at all. How, we wrote it essentially on a Mad TV sketch template. Um, it was all the wrong formatting. It was all the. <laughs> it was too long. Um, this. It was. It was not a like a a perfect classic spec, if you will. It was just. It was. I you think know we it, we might have looked at Alf to to figure out formatting. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's that kind of a situation. I don't think you go we, to the yeah, classic we really, like we didn't. No, honestly, we were pretty, pretty dumb about it. But we don't also weren't expecting it to be. I don't know what we were expecting in writing it. I think we were. Remember, it was during the strike. So, yeah. Well, and let me and let me put out you know? and let me put out there. It might have been the best thing. Reason we did it, which is we yeah. just did it because we liked the concept and we it was yeah. about our families and it was it was writing what, you know, and again, sometimes when you start to get into the business, you forget about all that. You know, and you're and you tend to want to please your masters and you kind of forget to have that love of of the content and love of the subject that really gets you excited. Because when Brian and I would write and especially about our families, it was a joy. It was it was a yeah. it was a ball, you know, because it was just us coming up with everything that was happening in our families and the wine party, which <laughs> is such a great metaphor for something you you want your adult person wants, but your your parent, you know, of, of children, small children can't get. You know? Yeah, I think we were like, I think there was like also um, it was a weird extension of sketch writing in some way, because both of us had come uh, from 
only really and pretty much mostly writing sketches. I think Stephen had written some other things, but I had never, I had never written anything longer. I'd written some plays, but they were, you know, a while prior to that, but nothing like this. And so it was a weird way of like, these are all the kind of sketches that you can't get done on mad TV. So these are like those nuanced family moments or those little observations about what it's like to just live life that aren't like high concept enough or crazy enough or have don't have a celebrity impression in them or something, you know, like they, they, you would take that sometimes and you would map over that stuff on mad TV. Like you'd map over like a, a celebrity impression over that, that, that game. But what was joyful here is we didn't have to do any of that. You could just write each of these little scenes, like a sketch um, that had one great joke in it that you loved. And, and it was just an outlet for that material, which was not something we had at that moment. You know, so it was kind of, yeah, that's yeah. what that was like. Those first, uh, the, that first script is often the most, the yeah. most fun because you don't have yeah. the notes in your head and you don't have the expectations. Right. No, no one's cares. No one's asking yeah. for it. No one's looking for it. There's no, no one's trying line. to change it. it. It's also on spec. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. even know what's going to happen with it. So ultimately there's no even thought of money behind it. No, I don't think we ever really talked about, I mean, specifically did not talk about it. It was like, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yes, I'd like to, first of all, I'd like to hang out with Steven and I'd like to, that would be fun. And yes, I'd like to try to learn how to do this. Um, um, and, and stuff, but it wasn't like, we're going to, there wasn't a plan, you know, for it or a strategy for it. And, um, and that was really how it all, that's how that all went for a long time without much of a plan. We just kind of right. kept stumbling along. You know? And then, so you had that first staff job on scrubs and that was just one season, right? You, you yeah, did one season on scrubs okay. well, through, through overall deals because we, we had a couple they would put you on different shows. So we were on, we on did quite happy a, endings. Yeah, we were on happy okay. endings. Um, and we were on the the one with the blind lawyer, which I can never <laughs> well, I, that I, was an I, NBC. Yeah. I'm ultimately was, blanking it on my head on purpose. It was it was it was called on uh, um with JK was, Simmons? No. Yes. yes, correct. Yeah, growing up no um, Fisher. Fisher? Growing yes. up Fisher. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, no, we were, I mean, you know, the ABC ones were the best, I think, because the, the happy endings, we went, we went on happy endings right away and it, um, after scrubs and it was all the people from scrubs. So it was like Jonathan Groff, um, Prentiss Penny, um, Josh Bicell, um, or I think it was Corey Nickerson on there. Um, she's yeah, on the learner. scrubs, I think. Yeah. She, but I think she was, was she also on happy endings too? I don't remember, but there were a lot of like people from that world um there um and it was just a great group of people so that energy kind of came directly over there to that show and that was fun and then i think we did uh we did a couple of other little things for them but we were mostly developing right and your first it it sounds like your first three pilots at least that you wrote uh, and maybe more all got shot at least twice Biggie got Uh, shot twice (laughs) how to be a better american got shot um Kings of Van Nuys, which was started out as Only Fools and Horses, got shot twice. Um, we did our our thing. Uh, all of them got shot. All of us, or what is the one with the anthropologist? Oh, well, then we, we moved from ABC to NBC after the Kings of Van Nuys of it all. And once we were there, we shot a couple of pilots for them. Um, one of them was called How to or uh, How We Live, um, which was a really, really great, fun pilot with um, 
oh, the cast was was amazing. It was like Andrea Anders and um, what's his name? I can't believe his name just blanked on the name from American Pie. But, you know, um, Jason Biggs. Uh, I wish. No, um, <laughs> it, it was Chris Klein. Oh, Chris Klein. OK, Chris Klein, who, who was on Jared Gertner. Unbelievably good. Yeah, so he's good. a great guy. I did a show with with Chris. Yeah, was he was terrific, actually, and that was great. We sh- we shot that at the same time as we shot Uncle Buck, which was the the studio had sort of put us together with Will Packer, um, who had gotten the rights to use the the film content, the character um, Uncle Buck, and the character, and um, we wrote that, and that ended ultimately ended up going to series. Dead Pilot Society is sponsored in part by Lumi Labs Microdose Drops. All right, let's be honest. We've uh, we've we've had a, a quite a year, a, a year plus, and while things are slowly getting better, we're we've just been under so much stress for so long that we could all use a little mood enhancement, a little anxiety relief, a little tension relief. Um, Microdose drops. Microdose is really different from other hemp products because it just it contains microdoses of THC in balance with the CBD and CBG. So these are little candy drops, and you can eat just one microdose and just feel a nice mood lift without getting high. This isn't about getting high. It's just a little mood enhancement, a little anxiety reduction. Um, it's a unique product, and you should check it out. Microdosing, it's a popular daily practice for people who want to feel better. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about microdosing THC, and we are talking about microdosing THC here, not LSD or anything. Um, that's a whole other thing. But microdosing THC, just do a quick search online, or you can go to microdo- microdosedrops.com slash top uses. Uh, all one word, top uses. Uh, and if you ever want to experience the benefits, if you just want to try this out, um, microdosedrops.com delivers to all 50 states. So to get free shipping and 30% off your first order, use code DEADPILOTSOCIETY, all one word. Uh, there'll be a link in the show description. But again, that's microdosedrops.com slash top uses. And the code is DEADPILOTSOCIETY. Check it out. Uh, just give yourself a little brief vacation a little stress relief uh it's really nice give it a try dead pilot society is sponsored in part by green chef green chef is the first usda certified organic meal kit company it makes eating well easy and affordable there are plans to fit every lifestyle what are you what are you keto what are you uh paleo what are you uh, vegan vegetarian maybe you're just looking to eat healthier Um, There's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. There's a nice one called Balanced Living. That's one I like. I like to eat plant-based, but not all the time. I like to mix it up. Uh, I have been full vegetarian in the past, but I find it's sort of easier to just not be really strict, try and mostly be plant-based. Green Chef makes this so much easier. The recipes, they're quick and easy. They're step-by-step instructions. They're chef tips. There's photos to guide you along. The ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, mostly prepped. 
so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals, like maybe some uh, peanut chicken with udon, maybe some beef enchiladas, uh, some Korean fried rice. It's just such a nice mix. And look, I, you know, maybe you're someone who's skeptical of these meal plans. You're just like, I want to decide what I'm going to eat. And believe me, I'm like that most of the time. But after whatever it's been, 14, 15 months of cooking and cooking, I really appreciate having Green Chef send me things and decide what I'm going to eat. Uh, there's less waste with this. It's really smartly packaged uh, with the environment in mind. Um, they're owned by HelloFresh. Uh, and you know, with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. You know, you can you can switch between the brands. Now, my listeners, you know, we can you can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. So, go to greenchef.com/90deadpilots and use the code 90deadpilots to get ninety dollars off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com/90deadpilots and code 90deadpilots for ninety dollars off. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes. No, no, not at all. The better ones, the good ones, clues ahoy. Listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence. Laugh if you must, but mainly get all the great clues. My Brother, My Brother, Me. It's an advice show, kind of, but a treasure hunt, mainly. Anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps. My Brother, My Brother, Me. The hunt is on. And so that's the first show. Uh, so you've, you've, uh, you, you've made pilots, which is a show running for one episode, but this is your first Yes. Show running gig. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And again, we were white writers writing a black show, which is, of course, would not, times. should not, or or could not happen these days. Well, we, we were we were literally saying it the entire time. But um, you know, but the group was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. And again, what we did, because you know, we're not dummies, is you know, you fill the whole room with black writers, is what you do, and it was a joy. It was an absolute joy. They were the great room. It was so Gina fun. Hicks, you know, Allison Faust, Kenny Smith, um, you know, just really, really funny. Um, oh, Jordan Black. Amazing Jordan Black, who I don't I don't know how many he, he's now writing more, but I think it might have been his first sitcom thing. Jordan's a groundling. Yeah. Um, one sure. of the creators of the black version. And yeah, amazing. brilliant. So it was a super fun group of people. Plus in that room. We also had some other really wonderful people like Dave Hemmingson, Asim Batra, Mike Penny, um, and stuff too. So it, it was it ended up being a really fun room, a, kind of a challenging series to do for a bunch of crazy reasons that had to do with just money and timing and and schedules and and it, and it was, was a co-production, show. which is always a joy. It's yeah, always it was a, a great pro at ABC just, studio. So double the notes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Notes. At least I was all. getting notes from my wife. <laughs> my wife was a level of notes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's it. And so that's okay. So did you feel that make, shooting all these pilots had, had prepared you to show run a series? Like to, to feel- some degree. I mean, you know, you learn like, 
you learn, uh, putting together a pilot, you learn a lot of, about that process. You know, you learn about casting, you learn about notes and the and negotiating that whole um, journey with executives. I, I, I think, I, I think what you do, yeah. you, you, you learn about managing is really what you learn about managing your time, managing people, managing the yeah. show, you know, how to edit the show and still, you know, the great thing was we were a team. And again, I would suggest this to anybody who is, you know, going to run a show. If you're a team, the two of you can split. And uh, Brian and I, I think that was one of the great things. I think we trusted each other. I think we trusted each other to communicate with each other and come back and talk. We, we, it was really Brian and me through the whole thing because I would never go to anybody else except him to talk about what's going on. So we would be at a, at the end of the day, we'd be in a room together going, Oh, you know, we have to do this or what's going to happen with this as opposed to, I imagine, you know, people who might not get along or, you know, whatever we, mm-hmm. we were, we were very dependent upon each other. And it, and it, and it was, it was helpful because also doing a pilot and show running a show, a, a series are two very, very different things. Yeah. As much as you learn about yeah, the yeah. beginnings of like putting a show together, the grind of writing, you know, and uh, of producing television um, you know, the, 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 you know, going through the script process, then editorial and all the other things that go along with it. Um, you know, that is, that is not something that you get really prepared for yeah. at all. <laughs> you need at the very least two people. I mean, there, there, it's, yeah. it's too much work for two people, but you know, yeah, it's it, 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 stunning, really stunning. Uh, yeah. Some, what was some, somebody described it? It's like being beaten over the head with your dream. Yes. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what show running is. It is. So if I just talked to another writer who's, you know, show, show running her first show, she's like, yeah, I'm being, I'm being bludgeoned to death with my own dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about your, your guys process writing together, um, you know, for an original idea, like what's, you know, I, I get that first one seemed to be the most natural, you know, just talking about your families, let's, you know, let's make a show about this. We get all these funny stories as you're going on and, you know, writing more. What, what's that process like the oh, idea generation? It, and then how do you write together? You know, I think it's very different for different people, obviously, but um, for Brian and me, a lot of times we just sit around. It's very much like the mad TV experience. We're just yeah, sitting around exactly trying to come up with interesting ideas or, and again, we're very, we always did this, which I'm glad about, which is always asking ourselves to think about what it means to us, what the show means, if it's about something that matters to us. Or it was always, we weren't just trying to think of what's the cool thing or what will people like or what. It was always just what is what interests us or what is driving us. And then as we go back and forth and we kind of settle on one between the two of us of like, oh, this one seems kind of fun or I have ideas for this or, or things like that. And we would always write together. A lot of people, uh, you know, go off separate, give each other writing assignments, come back and then mash it all together. We, we, we didn't, we found that we could only do that if it was, we needed to. In emergency. In emergencies. Right. But up to that point, everything we would do in the room and it was actually mm-hmm. advantageous because Brian makes me better. I don't know what I do to him, but um, <laughs> he, he, he makes me a better writer and he, he, he um, t- takes an idea that I have and ex- expands it and, you know, grows it and makes it bigger and, and 
and funnier and stuff like that. So um, I needed I needed to have him in the room. Well, yeah. and vice versa. I think we just um, first of all, it's very nice. But I feel it's the same way. It's, I think it's like one of the reasons we do it that way is that's how we did things at MAP. But it's also we're both the same person in the in this way. We love to gap. Um, we love to do bits. Um, we love uh, talking about what's happening in pop culture still, even now. Well, a lot of the time we sit around and we're just really writing sketches that will go nowhere because we don't make sketches anymore. But so, 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 <laughs> so for instance, like I, I stare at my neighbors. They're across the street and they have a bunch of children. They look like Swedes, which is they seem to be all blonde and they have very I mean, young kids. beautiful to Stephen. Beautiful, beautiful, when I, when beautiful I can, children. I'll, I'll be a crag translator. When he says Swedes, he means beautiful, be- beautiful people. Mean? I mean, they look they look great. They're clean. They look healthy. <laughs> that they just, sweet. That's how do they smell? Do they st- unbelievable? <laughs> I mean, even good, better than clean, ginger, like, like northern, <laughs> like clear, clear, crisp northern air. And and and, and you know. COVID didn't hit them. It just went over them or it went <laughs> oh, around them. They're too pretty to get COVID. Yeah, they're too attractive. So they're yeah. out there and their kids play in the front yard. And I mean, sometimes nude. They're all under the age of like six, seven. And they're like yeah. four of them. They kind of have a hippie. They kind of have a hippie, yeah. crunchy vibe. I think his them. name is Sky. You know, come on, whatever. Yeah. And like, so um, these kids are out there and I'm staring. I'm an older man staring from my window <laughs> at nude kids across the street. Now, my thing is it's concern. I'm concerned for them. It's LA and I'm afraid somebody's going to come and snatch one of these kids. So I'm staring at him. But you know, of course, if you look across the street, you're going to see an older man looking at new <laughs> children on a lawn. Now I'll say that to Brian and then we'll come up with a show. I, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, those kind of things are that what would be a sketch. So it'll be yeah. like, here's the sketch of a, of a, a man who has every single marker of a child predator um, <laughs> who's really just trying to help. And what are the five funny jokes of this person who absolutely it's, it's no one can blame them for thinking this guy's a child predator, but he really just wants to help. And, and so, you know, maybe we would think about that, those jokes. And we, I, you know, this is really how say next door came about. about. Right. It's a great example is like, Oh, that's fun. We talk about stuff about living in our neighborhoods, talking to our neighbors and the awkwardnesses of those things. And then that from there, it might be another thing of interest of ours. So like Stephen and I have a lot of sh- some shared interests as well. We both love um, like, you know, comics and sort of science fiction and all that's kinds of cool stuff. Um, and we both love, um, we really both love mysteries. You know? <laughs> like, so that's something we just found out about each other. Like, I mean, those are the books we read that we enjoy reading on our, <laughs> we're just doing our own enjoyable right, reading. Right. And so, so the, you know, what, what, how can we take those funny sketch ideas about say, the neighborhood and how do we do our version of a mystery? And then, you know, it, it just came from there as like, well, let's, let's combine those ideas. There's a way to crack that puzzle of, of satisfying our desire to write a mystery and who would, who, and what mystery would they buy from Stephen and Brian? <laughs> You know, what possible version of that? We can't go in and pitch like, you know, a cool, like true detective. No one's going to buy that from us. But they might possibly buy it if they knew that it was going to have a a kind of play against the tropes of, of, you know. um, I I remember somebody at the Groundlings coming to me and he was like, I'm out of ideas. And I go like, what are you talking about? And and he's like, yeah, I just, I don't don't have any ideas. 
I, I don't know what to write. I don't know what. And I go, what? You know, and again, I, some people, that's the mentality you get in your head. But in my mind, it's like, how can you be out of ideas? Look around you. I mean, yeah. read the paper. I mean, you know, what is your relationship with your spouse or your significant other? What is your, I mean, there, there it, it, and, and that's, I think, where, you know, when Brian and I are sitting and talking, it's just such a joy because we're really just doing improv. It's just going off of each other. We yeah. love to do voices, Andrew. Yes, we do a lot of voices. We do a lot of characters. characters yes, it's embarrassing. Involved. Yes, it's not cool. Yes, it's, some loud. Of it's, it's foul. It's loud. You know, it's yeah. it's inappropriate. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, but I but, think it's uh, like, I think it's like, you, the, I, the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, the more I'm like, boy, it really is that earlier um, sketch training. It's true in improv too, which is like finding um, the the bit, you know, finding the game, the finding what's of, funny yeah. about this yeah. thing, and what you know, and you get really good at that, or you you try to get good at that at least when you're when you're faced every day with writing a lot of sketches every week, three or four or five sketches or whatever you're gonna do. And um, and hopefully try to get them on the show. And so so you're, you are, as Stephen point, he was always the best at this. I think I learned that from him, which is like it's everything is funny. <laughs> There's some version. Of, not everything that's funny is arable, but um, everything or, or is worth it. But you can find it there. And so I think a lot of times we do. That is the place that we go is like, it, what's I, funny about that? What's the and I would I would say the one problem is that almost all of our characters sound like us. Yeah, so this okay. is the difficulty where we'd have to go, hey, we have to think of another, you know, how do people talk? How did, how, how is a, a one person going to relate to another person? How is this, you know, and then we'd have to really kind of go out of our comfort zone a little bit because mostly we just wanted to write ourselves and how we talked and joked and did, did things which came easy to us. Um, but that's good. That's what a writer should do is, you know, um, you know, be able to go outside themselves and think of we, we kept thinking of our own friends. How do they speak? What are they what are their interests? What's weird or unusual or interesting about them? Yeah. And then, you know, we had to we had to go outside of ourselves a little bit. So that's that that was the one issue with when we're together is it just mostly became you well, know, we women. Would, we, would, we would try to solve for that too. And sort of police it as much as possible. Women, children, <laughs> you know, everybody, dogs, cats. They all sound, they all sound like 50 uh, year old homeowners. But. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I will tell you, Andrew, one cool thing about the sale of um, which again is another moment for Brian and I, that was just mind blowing in selling next door which was we walked in, we hooked up with Nick Stoller. So we had this great director with us. And he's a super guy, very funny. And, and Connor Welch, this is important too. Oh, Connor, Connor Welch was his development person. The most really, and I'm serious. About Scotch Prince, let's just say it. <laughs> it. It's the most beautiful man you have ever seen in your life. I mean, he's like clear, Vanessa Lachey. He's exactly yeah, the thing. It's clear skin. He's the male version. It's yeah, clear smells, skin. Smells really he good. Smells wonderful. <laughs> Even when he came up to me one day, and I, I hope I can say this, and I hope it doesn't embarrass him. But he had to go to the bathroom really badly. And it, and it was a number two. And he looked at me and he was really panicked. He was like, and it was right before a meeting. And I said, go do it. You know, we'll wait. We'll do whatever you need to do to get this done. Even then, when he was at sort of the lowest point, when I could have been <laughs> disgusted at it, disgusted at this human being, he was so handsome. He was so beautiful. 
Um, but, but anyway, but, we, yeah. we, we went into this, uh, we went in with this group and we went to Fox. We went to Susanna Makos, who is a, a friend of ours, and we love her so much. She's a fantastic uh, executive. So we went in um, to pitch it to her and she came in and she sat down and she said, I will buy it. <laughs> and we did not pitch. Bonner had been her protege. She loved Nick. She, we had, we, we were friends with her and, and had sold things to her in the past. And it was one of those, it truly was. She said, I don't care what this is, I'm buying it. And um, <laughs> then we, pit, we did pitch it. Weirdly. And, she, and then she, and then she was like, what was the upside of pitching it? She's like, no well, upside. tell me what it is anyway. And it's we no told her, she's like, well, I'm so glad I bought that. And that was how that happened. That's amazing. Yeah, that was the weirdest because, you know, we've had Biden in the room moments, you know. Right, but not before you pitch. No. Never before we pitch. That no, was as good as it's going to get. It, it, we felt like big shots until they decided on whether to make go with the show or not. And, of course, that did not go our way. No. <laughs> so but it was yeah, all a joy until they say no. Connor must have given her a log line or something. She must have known the area, at least. Probably, because they were... I don't want to dash anything. Yeah, what are you doing, Andrew? What's your problem? (laughs) You want to bring us down? I'm just jealous. Obviously, I'm jealous of of that experience. Well, it was one moment, and it was because we were (laughs) friends. I mean, you know, give us a fucking break, man. This business is super hard, Andrew. Without being attacked by another writer. Yeah, (laughs) you of all people. (laughs) This... you said um, you specced next door, correct? Had you had you written? We did. No, you know, it's so funny. Uh, we did spec it, and and um, I remember it was over this over the summer. I think next door was we were out of a deal, and it was like I think it was just like we were fresh out of a deal, and we anyway we were like let's do this cool thing, and then we went. I think we we went and pitched it. And it was at our agents, you know, maybe they didn't trust the material or something. I don't know. <laughs> but we, but they're like, go pitch it. Don't, and you'll hold the spec in reserve, you know? And so we went around and pitched it and to Connor. Um, and then that whole process started and they never saw that spec. They never even knew it was spec. Um, we wrote the thing and, you know, it's, di- it's, it, it really is different. Like, you know, cause you're getting their input as you go along and, and they're right. kind of looking in. But it was a mostly that it was the same structure, the same story um, and every, every other thing about it. And again, another joyful experience of just writing what we wanted. We didn't think about anybody yeah. or what anybody wanted or whether it was it was viable or not. <laughs> and when you pitched it, how much of the the mystery plot of the rest of the season? Quite a lot. OK. Yeah, we actually Quite thought about it. We actually have a, we had a full season. We even, you know, thought of it. We were on the on the cusp of the uh, streaming world, so we we definitely thought of the season. We thought of a second season. Yeah, you know, I mean, we 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 that was, that was part pro- of the pitch. Yeah, we were probably it was one of our longer, more detailed, yeah, uh, thoughtful pitches because we really thought about it, and it was it would it would have really made a fantastic show. And I don't usually say that. I'm, you know, I I hate myself, um, but um, th- this one I thought, oh. If, if that had got on the air, just like um, uh, Kings of Van Nuys, if that had got, it would have gone on forever. And that, that's just a feeling I had. But, you know, that's what people think of some of the scripts they write. I mean, these are the ones that I thought were really good. I thought they were really good. It was good characters. And Yeah, that. I think we just got caught um, at the end of the day. 
Fox had just, that was the year that Fox sold their studio to Disney. Mm-hmm. And no, wait, it was the they year, mo- it was in, it was going to happen the next year. So it was okay. already like, they new sold work. one piece off, but not the whole, not the Well, TV I don't think it had taken, oh, yeah, like this yeah. was the last season before they didn't have the studio anymore. And this was actually with Sony for, for Fox. So it wasn't even their studio, but um, the, all the whole, everyone was being moved over to the new Disney project. All the people at the top, um, including Susanna was probably making her arrangements to exit to HBO max, even at that time. But um, you know, uh, probably behind the scenes. So this was in that sort of transitional phase of things. And um, the, the urgency with what who was left there was like, we're the new Fox is going to be like much more like Merton, Rupert Murdoch Fox, you know, it's, it's what it's going to be. So let, they were really anxious to do things that were like multicams and things that could go around wrestling and all that. And then, um, what's his name? Oh, I forget from AMC who took over Charlie. I forget but he, he took over Fox and it was like, he came in looked at their development, which was very down the middle and not Fox at all. And he's like, well, where's all the stuff you normally do at Fox? And we were the <laughs> one, we were already a flyer to begin with. Like they took a flyer on the serialized single camera mystery thing to begin with. And then, but, and so we kind of knew that maybe we were just, this wasn't going to happen. But then suddenly in the middle of it, there was like, you're the one crazy script that everybody internally loves. Like you're the one old Fox, you know, it's not a part of this development theme. And um, like, we're going to bring it to Charlie. We're going to, um, you know, we're going to sell this. He's going to love this. And it was a really, it happened at the very last minute. We had almost said goodbye to it. Like it's not going to happen. And that was a strange last final moment flurry of, trying to, you know, make it edgier or something, or I don't know. It was a weird moment, but ultimately at the end, they just didn't. And, and by the way, that has, been, murder mystery. that has been our history a little bit. We have always <laughs> been at moments where either people are leaving or coming on or yeah. some craziness is happening where you get rolled under, you know? And I mean, that, that, that's been, I mean, we have, we so earned brutal. a really good living and yet we, you know, we're just developing pilots, basically. Um, I think it's just it, it's it happens so often. I mean, believe me, you know, doing a podcast that's just about pilots that don't go. I hear all the time and certainly it's happened to me plenty of times where it's just regime change. You know, it's just yeah. like what happened? Well, Pretty the person cool. that bought it, that bought the pitch was no longer there when right. the decisions. came. I mean, that story comes up all the time. And I think it's. Yeah, you know, people, you, you you know, you look at people's IMDb pages and you see a lot of TV movies TV movie. um, <laughs> and and it's just, yeah, people are making making a living and and, you know, honing their craft and doing, you know, and often great pilots just get caught up in these regime changes. And, you yeah. know, it, it happens all the time. It is. Uh, it's, it's it's the hardest thing. And you kick your, you know, you're, you sort of pinch yourself for being able to be on the roller coaster of it all, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's actually most of the time I can think of it this way, which is I would much rather be on that roller coaster than sort of waiting in line to get on the roller coaster. Um, although um, when you ride it all the time, it can make you very sick to your stomach. <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> it's not too good to stay on the roller coaster for long. 
Um, but yeah, I that, mean, I guess we keep yeah. getting back on the roller coaster. It's, I guess, yeah, that's what you're the saying. problem. <laughs> yeah. I guess we keep getting on it. It's we, that Disney pass. We got that silver Disney yeah, pass, and we got, keep going on it. Yeah, yeah well, you can ride it for free. Ride it for free. Uh, um, but you, but but that's that's what's great. I mean, and it sounds like you know to me. Talk to you guys. It, you're still doing it because you're still finding things that excite you that you want to write about and that make you laugh. Um, I mean, it's just, it's harder now. I think, you know, as you, as you get a little, you know, you know how it is in comedy too, you get a little older, you know, and, and then the, the, the other comedy writers are getting young, <laughs> younger. <laughs> um, but it, it is, yeah, you still try to find, I still like it. I like, I still like thinking of TV shows. I like thinking of, and I like actually making up worlds. Like I like creating I like the pilot. I like the pilot process, to be honest with you. I like creating the characters, creating the tone, creating the um, world and and the texture of it all is just what excites me. You know, I, I don't know. I love that. I don't know how do you feel, Stephen, but that, well, I, I, I think it's also just, you know, coming up with ideas and, and, and making this thing kind of come to life that didn't exist before um, and doing it with somebody you enjoy doing it with, um, you know, is I would, that's such a great job. Yeah. You know, um, it's always been a, it's always been a good job. And again, I've, I've been in it for a while and, you know, the, it, it's just been very enjoyable. Um, the people I've known and, you know, when you know, they day of the locusts, it's all about how horrible Hollywood and everything. I really seriously, and I'm being serious. I've, I've met, two awful people and I won't, I won't tell you, you know, both of them and I won't tell you their names. Uh, that's, that's the extent of evil I've met. Like when I came yeah. across them, I think of them as evil. Everybody else is just trying to do whatever job they're trying to just trying to get through life. And maybe they're dickish and maybe they're, but they're not they're, There's not a mean spirited evilness to them. They're just trying to get through the day. And that's everybody I've met everybody, you know, I mean, yeah, it's really Lauren not Michaels, Lauren yeah. Michaels, who I work for, is a joy. I mean, he <laughs> allowed me to go to Mad TV. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and you know, here's here's stories and stories about the man. But, you know, I mean, he let me go to a, a, a competing sketch show. Yeah. And um, and, you know, he didn't want to. He didn't like it. But, um, you know, he was gracious enough to do that because I had a I had a kid. Um. So, um, but you know, it's just I mean, a wonderful business full of good folks. That's all you're saying. That's all it is. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's good folks. And that's different than you've heard. Please that's tell different. that. Tell that to the MAGA people because they don't believe it. It's just all just normal folks here. It's normal folks. They might as well be working in produce or they might be working on a farm <laughs> in Kansas. They're the same people. I, <laughs> I, I really have found that, it, you know, the, the television people, which is, you know, mostly who I, you know, when I've dipped my toe into the film business, I feel like there is a little bit of difference. Not, not that I'm saying all the movie people are assholes or anything, but, but there's something <laughs> about, say that. but Please there's a different, there is a different, you know, and I think there's something, there's a humility yeah. a little bit to the people in television, or at least there had been for so long. Now it's like TV is, is the new movies. So yeah. it's, there's, there's not the inferiority complex that no, TV people you know traditionally had of working in the sort of second string medium that that's sort of gone away. No, now that these big names who made movies want to do television, yeah. you know, I mean, because <laughs> and, what, and a great, like the- what a great thing to do a streaming series where you get to expand whatever world you've created and keep, keep 
you know, dealing with the characters. And, you know, like, again, Brian and I talk about it all the time, Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul. I mean, the, the people that put this together, the, 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 the time they thought about it, the intricacies of it is like a novel. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, it's like a novel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Next Door seems to me something that would actually be very well suited, you know, to, you know, when I try and think about, I don't know, like the comps were that you guys, if, if you've been thought of like, you know, well, search, like party, search Party. Um, search yeah. Party was like a weird, well, there was also the HBO's, um, the one that bored, bored to Paul, death. Paul Oscar. Yeah. It, it, you know, they're kind of accidental, um, accidental detectives search party kind of became something else you know they sort of like it was a little bit of nancy drew in season one but the rest of it is you know made its own journey which i love that show well they kept i think they kept trying to make it fresh or come up yeah and they did they kept saying we're not we did we did that mystery we're going to do this now and it was like following their journey we really wanted this to be like a, a, a somewhat new way to do uh, you know, a, a real mystery show. So we weren't trying to expand it in, in, into, into things really, but we wanted to have it be, they're going to solve this mystery over the season. And just like a regular Raymond Chandler novel, the mystery is a, who gives a shit. The mystery is the MacGuffin. It's right. not really about the mystery. It's about, in this case, these, the idea was these are people that live in this large city which is weirdly anonymous, even though it's a city of houses and private homes and yards and all the rest of it. It, it isn't a city. It is a weird, hard city to have community in. And we wanted to talk about that. And for our, like we said, our joke was the, the inciting joke is the only way that I get to know my neighbors is if we all, if there's a murder happened on our street, <laughs> you know, but what, what happened in, in the show going forward was like, we want to see not only their lives develop as they become friends now and the burden and the joys of like knowing your neighbors. There's a reason we don't know our neighbors. It's intimidating <laughs> and scary. And so there's good and bad that comes from it. We'd want to play with that, but we'd also get them on the mystery out into Los Angeles, the places in LA they'd never been before. We wanted you know, LA to be a character as well. Character. Just like in the big Lebowski, it's very similar. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's a show about LA and it's or in, or um, Chandler. Yeah. LA is, yeah. is, is, is a character or, in or it. Bosch or, yeah. 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 And yeah, and, we wanted and that. We, yeah. we had a solution to the mystery, <laughs> which, you know, again, you know, like big shit, who cares or anything we had versions of, as it went through that neighbor suspected neighbor, you know, because they weren't sure about each other and about maybe you murdered him. You know, I mean, we we don't know because all of them had problems with him, with yeah. this neighbor who died. Um, and we had a solution at the end. And then we had the solution involve a, a bigger world, a bigger idea where one of their houses is burned by the people involved. So then they have to solve that mystery, the second season, and they actually start to become sort of detectives. I mean, real like, yeah, like one of them stud starts studying to become a private detective. And <laughs> it's like, I think this is, she started searching for her next chapter as a, in middle, middle age. And she's like, you know what? I had enjoyed that experience last year. I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to maybe become. And so, you know, we had, we had organic ways of continuing the mystery and then getting them involved in those mysteries and again, um, we had the house burned down, which was one of our characters' houses. So they had to move in with their neighbors, which then became 
another sort of sitcom idea. Right. You know, if part of the season, they would be on top of each other. So again, for us, the, the joy of it is like, okay, once you meet your neighbors, like the Tommy's fear is once you meet them, you're going to have to talk to them all the time. You're going to have to, you're going to have to see them, you're going to know them. about them, you're going to have to care about them, you're going to have, have, have to help them when help they ask them. for help. You have to worry about them. You're going to have to like take that on and they're living next door to you all the time. So it's not something you can avoid. And so, and it's the same about our city. You know, we maybe, maybe they become interested in their neighborhood, but as they, the mystery took them out into the city, now poking the bear of the city, you know, is going to start in, in, you know, invading their lives as well. They've gone out of their kind of little bubble of suburban safety and they've touched on what else is going on out there. And now that's followed them back um, a little bit to the neighborhood. And we liked that idea. There was lots of ways to kind of continue the mystery, the idea of a season long mystery organically that, that felt grounded to us. Right. And it felt like a good way to talk about not just mysteries, but how we are as people, how we live in a diverse city like this all of our blind spots about the city or our blind spots about our neighbors and all of those ways of investigating it that good mysteries do like good, good mysteries take you, you know, everywhere, you know, across the city, you know, the, the, and the, the detective gets to go to places that not all of us get to the rich people's homes, the, the poorest criminals, he keeps, he or she is invited everywhere. And we, we wanted that. Well, in it's our also- comedy way. For that time. Another good another good example of that is Chinatown, which is also yeah. uh, a, 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 uh, one of our favorites. Yes. Know? Yeah. Like he's just poking the bear constantly and, and just <laughs> constantly following him back and getting we involved in something that. bigger than right. you, in, you intended it to be. Right. Yeah. Right. It could keep escalating so it doesn't have to be like murder she wrote where this this one block happens to just like have lots of murders. No, we would see that was the goal of it explicitly was to like play with those tropes, you know, be self-aware about about it. Because, you know, one what the, the I think part of our pitch was a line in there at the beginning of it was like, you know, there are two things in this, you know, country that you know, everything's everyone's falling apart polarizing, but there's only a couple of things that stitch us together. Um, I think one of them was, we said was football at the time. And the other one is murder. And <laughs> if you take away murder, you know, it'll be civil war. And, and, you know, we've, we love murder shows. We yeah. love Dateline. We love yeah. um, anything on Netflix. Like, and by the way, liberal, liberal, conservative, no, sure. children, everybody everyone likes murder. a murder show. Everyone everybody likes a murder them. show. <laughs> you just like, them. Why do we love murder so much? No. What, what's that about? I mean, that was also the subject of our story was like, why is that? Yeah. You know, what is wrong with us or right with us or both? And, and, and um, we even had in, in, in the episode, in the pilot that we wrote that they, this neighbor is an artist. They never even knew. I mean, it's this idea that you really don't know you, who your neighbors are yeah. and all the wonderful things. Uh, again, I'm going to say another positive thing. It's just going to blow people's minds. See, oh this is what God. this is all about. Oh and this God. is the idea that, yes, we do bad things, but the majority of us don't. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all our life. That's a billion stinking people every day. Don't do anything Mostly wrong. doing the right thing. Yes, that's <laughs> mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. And nobody ever talks about that, Andrew. And if there's one thing I... Ah, fuck it. <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know how we go on from there. But I I know, that's, such, that's, such, that's a great, a beautiful sentiment. Um, yeah. We can wrap it up because I'm also anxious to uh, pause recording and hear who the two evil No, there's not. So thank you so much. So thank you guys. Yeah, so much. But don't. But I'm gonna stop recording. But don't leave because we're gonna. We're gonna talk. (laughs) Andrew, I swear to God. Thanks for letting us do uh, the the script. It was great, and so great talking to you guys. It's a joy. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks. Bye. There you have it. Uh, Boy, do I love that roller coaster metaphor that Brian used. It's fun to ride the roller coaster, but staying on it too long makes you sick. So good. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Finling. Look, if you like this show, how about leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts? It really helps. Maybe uh, tell a friend about us. Maybe right now hit that share button on your phone and send this to someone who you think might be interested. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming up for Fun Drive next month. Until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thanks for listening. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.